everyone. Uh, again, lockdown, so we, we can't meet up, hence Harry being in his humble abode and me being in a garage. Um, so yeah, this is a, uh, another episode of Good Film Hunting. Uh, we're starting to do, uh, consider making more video episodes in future, I think, instead of just, just audio recordings. Um, mm -hmm. but, but today is a special episode, hence why we're all dressed up. I feel like I need to walk around a restaurant saying, um, would you like to look at the wine list? Uh, uh, yeah, so this episode is number seven. Um, and obviously you see how we label it, so it only felt right. That episode 007 was about 007. Of course. <laughs> Go. Then. I'll, I'll play the um, Yeah, we'll be all right. So, yes. Yeah, so, first off, like normal, we'll talk about any news that we've got regarding films in general, uh, just basically what we've been doing. Uh, any reviews? Obviously, Harry's got the blog. Uh, he updates reviews there. Uh, no, there's, there's been many in the last uh, several months. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've, I've been lacking. So any reviews that you want to read, go to Harry's website. Link is in the description. Uh, but it will also be on our website once I've finished recording and I've copied it across. Yeah, um, so news, since we last spoke, I think while we're talking about James Bond, kind of, I think mm. we've mentioned two of the biggies. So number one was obviously the loss of Dame Diana Rigg. Uh, yeah. So yes, the only one who could tie James Bond down. <laughs> uh, That's true. Um, she she left led a good life. She was like ninety odd. Uh, eighty. Eighty odd. Yeah, eighty odd. 80, yeah. 90. She she was old. She was yes. old. Um, the so, remarkable woman, as as well as a work on Bond, just a work on. Game of Thrones as well, and yeah. her other uh, prominent roles that she had in her career. She, you know, she was a phenomenal woman, and I think everyone uh, around the time of her death spoke of how highly regarded they were to her and how it was working with her and such. Yeah, um, originally probably found fame on The Avengers, which was the spy show, not Marvel-related, uh, with another uh, James Bond alumni, uh, Honor Blackman. Um, she yes. was on The Avengers as well. Um, so yeah, I thought it maybe just made a moment just to to mention uh, Dame Diana. Obviously, um, the other one that we woke up to this morning, which I thought was quite coincidental. I thought that the, was the fact that uh, Bond Twenty Five, No Time to Die, has been pushed back again. Uh, mm. Talking to us that live in the studio, it's Harry. Yes. So obviously, that that's the biggest news is that it. So it was originally moved from what was a May release or an April release this year. Then it was moved to October, then November, because they wanted more people to see it. But I think due to the infection rate that's happened and they want everyone to see it, they've moved it to next year. So they moved it to May, which as a Bond fan, as a film fan, I'm a bit pissed off. But if we're being honest, like, I can understand why they've done it. You know, it's, it's, it's genuinely it's a thing for concern. Exactly, for safety reasons. But um, here's a fun fact that I've discovered. I was talking to someone about this the other day. Um, I was saying that um, the biggest gap in Bond films between, like, from one Bond film to another was six years, and that was between License to Kill in 1989 and Goldeneye in 1995. So if No Time to Die comes out next year, if it does, it will be the 
also a gap of six years between Spectre and No Time to Die. Now, like people could say, oh, re really it was done, you know, early 2020. And you could be like, yes, it was done 2020. But due to what happened in 2020, it, it wasn't released until 2021. Yeah. And so, so it is this, like one of the biggest gaps in Bond films. And I've been waiting for a long time for this one. Like, because in 2015, you sort of thought, will he come back? Will he, won't he? Like, who's next to replace him? And then you just think, oh, like, who's who is it and then eventually said no i'll do another one but it will be my last one and now that's when the news has been going off who will be the next one in which that's another news topic i'd like to bring on yeah. so there was a link saying that um apparently there was an insider who said that tom hardy was slated to be the next bond or in the running or he's been asked or he's oh, the favorite yeah. of barbara broccoli but thing is um i love tom hardy it's a bit fantastic actor love mad max love legend i love everything he does he's just fantastic right. but to me I don't think he's Bond material. I, I just think that Bond is supposed to be like a suave, sophisticated gentleman. And while I think Tom Hardy could probably play that, I just think he looks like the type that would be in the SAS or that would be a part of the army or something that yeah. would link, to, or the Navy that would link to Bond's no, you know, connection. Exactly. Yeah. But it doesn't, for me, it doesn't quite, Tom Hardy doesn't match that uh, criteria that we're after for Bond. Personally, I would have gone with someone like Henry Cavill, but that's just because I loved his work in Man from Uncle because he played a suave spy in that. Yeah. And thought actually, I think he could portray Bond quite well. He's but um, yeah, that, that's that's what I think anyway. And uh, but I would gladly see Tom Hardy as a Bond villain, like a, a real tough Bond villain that isn't just you know like Bane. He's not just the muscle, but he's the brains as well. I, yeah. I could see that. He, he could he could pull that off and. Like you as well, I I always think Henry Cavill could make a brilliant Bond. Mm. Um, definitely, um, with, without a doubt, I I would say Bond. You think someone who ca ca he, he just fits the bill. He mm. does. Um, I remember reading Bond the Bond novels. Um, mm. I read Goldfinger, and as I was reading it, I was picturing Henry Cavill. <laughs> and it just fit. Uh, yeah. There is quite a few in contention, apparently. So rumours on, like I say, these are just rumours. We don't mm. know anything. If we did, we wouldn't be doing a podcast. We'd be on the film. Um, it would be uh, Henry Cavill, Tom Hardy. Uh, Harry Styles, apparently, no. has been no. in the running. I, I, I don't know why he would be. Because no. uh, he was in Dunkirk and he wasn't that great. Well, um, to be honest, he was better than I thought he was going to be in Dunkirk. But not Bond like, material. No, he's definitely not Bond material for me. Like he's good looking, and all the women will love him. But he, yeah. I don't think he he could pull off being suave. But I don't can't see him as Bond. Like personally, um, I also like to add the running uh, Aidan Turner, who plays Poldark in the TV oh, series yeah. Poldark. I think he'd be a good Bond as well. And there's another one, but I can't remember who who it was. I I think Joe Norton, I think his name was, was in the mix. And I and I said yes, but I'm not sure. Um, but no, that that that's who I think anyway. And Harry Styles just doesn't match that for me. He's too much of a ladies' man. I could see him in a, a light romantic comedy or a like a serious romance film, but I can't yeah. see him in in being Bond. He, he just no. doesn't do uh, it. There was also I watched a, a YouTube clip or it was a clip on Facebook uh, mm. of roles actors have auditioned for but didn't get the part. Sure. Killian Murphy. Bond. Uh, it'd be interesting. I, I, I think it, it was could, Murphy. 
think it was. I can't. I thought, it was on the Letterman show. Was it Letterman? No, it would have been Letterman. Letterman. Dark Knight trilogy, and I saw that Killian Murphy had auditioned for the role of Batman. Yeah. And you saw the test screenings, and he actually did quite good. You know, he was pretty decent. And it, it was a close running between him and Christian Bale. But when uh, Christopher Nolan said, you know what, um, you know, Christian's better. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, I would love... But Killian, however, is fantastic. Let's put him as Scarecrow. So that's kind of... I think Killian is a great actor. I love him as Tommy Shelby, but I don't think... I can't see him as Bond. I don't know why. I could probably see him as, like... You know, like I say, a Bond villain. Like, same yeah. as Tom Hardy. I, they both could play a Bond, a good Bond villain. I could see Killian Murphy doing that. Yeah, no. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about quickly. Sure. Um, is a hashtag that's been going round. Um, I think, I'm not, don't quote me on this. I'm not sure if it was started by him, but um, sorry, we, I, I don't think you worked with him when he, when he was at the cinema. Uh, and he was one of the managers. He does the Film File UK podcast. Uh, which I'll put a link in the description as well. Uh, I've appeared on there before. Um, save our cinemas. Yes. There's not enough support at the minute for the cinema industry. Obviously, people, loads of restrictions, and pushing the films back and back and back and making people wait is not helping. Now, we can see the, the point in it. It's keeping people safe, and by all means, do that. Stay at home. Keep your feet on, watch Coronation Street, have a brew, do what you need to do, stay safe. But our cinema industry and the film industry needs as much support as it can get. Obviously, there are, uh, down, in, down in London, there's open air theatre going on. Some places around the UK as well, they're, they're trying to bring it phased returning. Obviously, there are some cinemas that are still open, so local city worlds, views, so on and so forth, they're open. But not many people are going. No. Now, obviously, in the current climate, this is going to be difficult for everyone. But without the cinema industry, we're going to lose everything we love. It's all right just saying, oh, I'll wait for it to go on Netflix or DVD. You saw the Oscars this year. Netflix, they were already taking on most of the prizes. M more and more streaming services are being allowed onto the platforms. And it's, don't get me wrong, I love Netflix. I'm mean, going to watch it. I watch it every day. And me, and me. But the cinema is where it all started. And to lose that, it would be a travesty, not just in the UK, but around the world. I mean, you've got people who may not go out often, but when they do, they will go shopping or they may go and watch a film. And mm. taking that away would be one of the worst things we could do. So please. If you can, retweet it, whatever, save our cinemas. Please do that. it, guys. Because, I mean, like, I fully agree with Tom there. Like, I do, like cinema is such a, a great passion of both of us, as well as, you know, our adoring fans and everyone we know around the world. And it is a dying art. And as well as um, all of us creative lot that, that write and make movies and everything. And so that's something that we need to save and help with. And so by getting this hashtag out, it tells people that what side we're on and all of the above i remember um if you follow us on instagram uh, my instagram you can follow so at film enthusiast 96 and there was a post that we did that everyone within the creative industry had had if they had pictures of them doing their job like at work so there's pictures of me filming there's pictures of me writing which everything and so i sent it out there as, as a 
a wave of support as a way to share what we do in this in this industry that we love and want to work in so we we appreciate all support that we can and we get get this out there because i I agree like while i love netflix and prime and disney plus and all them everything shouldn't be on there cinema is a great experience to still go to i was watching um the hollywood reporter roundtables that they do and i love them unconditionally like i've i've I, there was a period where i didn't watch a lot of them but i've been recaching on it lately and i've watched the directors and they've asked them all like oh what do you think about these streaming services and three of the films that were are on that table were on a streaming service and so martin scorsese who he said um you know oh i I'm not a fan of streaming services cinema is where everything's at and you know and then he's on record said that when he was trying to get the irish room made no no one the studio said oh we, we can't give you that amount of budget for this film but netflix were the only per- team to say yeah we'll give you that like absolutely but obviously martin scorsese had conditions of it can't just be on the streaming service i want it in cinemas as well and that's what they did and they did do that for him and it was, it was very like a dry spell of a few showings weren't they in certain yeah where, where you could watch it uh, i think we i think we mentioned that in the previous episode we did, yes. And so I, I think that while streaming services have definitely gained in popularity within the last six months, we, well, we it's within the last years, but the last six months have been crucial for streaming services because their price, you know, their rates have gone up, more people are get, buying it, using it, and all of the above. And so I think that this is something that we need to hang on to cinema as quick as we can. Otherwise, if we lose it, then that's some, it's such a huge part of the industry. And that's, and it's something that all filmmakers will lose as well. And yeah, that it's important that it we is. keep saving our yeah. cinemas. Yeah. So with with that bit over, uh, trying well, to back up. Well, we could talk about what we've done since we last did the episode because I've because yeah. because we both watched quite a bit since then. You know, I've watched Cobra Kai, absolutely loved it. If you love the Karate Kid, you'll love Cobra Kai. I've written my first feature length script, scripts, and I've sent it out like I've sent it to Tom, I've sent it to uh, quite a few people, and I'm still waiting for feedback. But honestly, it felt such a joy just to get that done, and I and I thought this was the right time to do it within lockdown, you know, all this time free, do it. And oh, like 117 pages of love and soul were put into that script. And I'm so and glad that you were documenting it. it as well. So every, mm. every time I, I went on Instagram or Snapchat or Facebook, they mm. were posting the process, which, which was wonderful to see. Uh, obviously mm. quite a few things happening during lockdown. So I don't know if you saw the um, staged, I think it's called. David mm. Oh Tenet yes. Machine. Uh, that was filmed to I love that. Uh, yeah. Especially the bit with Judy Dench. <laughs> I, love, I love the Judy Dench bit. Um, obviously, there's some words on there that we can't use on here because we will get told off. Yeah, that's um, not them. Starts with F, ends in K, and sounds like duck. <laughs> um, and who knew Judy Dench knew how to swear quite a bit? Um, but yeah, so there's some stuff I've been. I've not been watching what I normally watch. Um, so I have. Started watching the animated series The Avengers. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not normally a big TV show kind of guy, especially animation. Yeah. Um, but I am planning on watching every single piece of Marvel footage throughout lockdown. So obviously, I've seen all of the Infinity Saga. Hmm. Um, I've watched all of the X Men. I've watched both Fantastic Four. I've not watched the 2015 version yet don't need to yeah i'm, I'm not bothering you skip uh, that one and so i'm gonna start on agents of shield okay um, slowly make work my way through them but i thought while i'm just waiting to plan everything i'll give um avengers assemble the animated version a try and it's really good 
<laughs> I didn't expect it to be that good. So the guy who does the voice for Thor does the voice for Thor on the new Marvel Avengers game on PlayStation. Ah, okay. Xbox. Um, so it's kind of branched out into there. Um, yeah. yeah, I've been watching that. I've been watching a lot of um, crime shows as well. Yeah. Uh, have, have you watched? I watched Des. That was really good on ITV. I've got it on. I've got it recorded. It's very uh, good. Very, very good. I, I saw the photos, and I'm just like, when I saw the photo of David Tennant as Nielsen, I thought, oh, that's him. And then I looked closely again. I was like, whoa, that's that's David Tennant. Uh, yeah. It's so. Spitting image, it's amazing. Uh, but I've been watching that uh, Line of Duty. Mm, um, I've, I've, I've blaked the game on that one. And then I started doing a Bond marathon. <laughs> of course. Good um, today. On... I've just finished Octopussy. Ooh, so you've got, uh, it'll be a view to a kill next. And then you start working on the Timothy Daltons after that. Yeah. Um, and then I might also start doing a carry-on marathon. <laughs> of course. Because it's, it's that time where every, everyone's feeling a bit down. Um, yeah, yeah. Need a bit of comedy to boost us up. Um, so, but yeah, been watching quite a lot of various genres. Um, I've, I've, I've been trying to get more films in because I've been watching too much TV from like Netflix yeah. and Prime and all that, trying to put more films in the in the canon. So I've been, I watched the Jason Bourne films last weekend. So I watched uh, Identity, Supremacy, Ultimatum, skipped Legacy because you don't really need it. And then uh, the newest one, Jason Bourne. And I know that's probably a, a contradictory thing to say on the Bond week, but um, how, no, dare <laughs> how dare you bring up the other JV? <laughs> but no, um, no, I, I completely love those films. And I'll, I might get into a bit that when we sort of talk about the films in a bit length and how and what Bourne could have done for Bond kind of yeah. thing. So we'll get into that later on. But yeah, no. So um The Boys, that's a big one. Been watching the new series of that as well. Um like I say, Cobra Kai always that is a good one. I've just started Ghosts, which is the BBC comedy series on iPlayer. Because I've the, um, I, one with the horrible histories cast. Yeah it is, yeah, yeah. I've seen it advertised. It looks it looks interesting. I want to give it a it's, shot. I've watched the first episode and I found it really funny because I got it recommended to me by a friend uh, a while ago and I was, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll get it watched. But then, I, but then I was watching Graham Norton, the, the newest one, and one of the cast was on it promoting the new series and I thought, you know what, this looks a bit funny. I might just give it a watch because I need something because I, I need something that's like 45 minutes to an hour long and then a half an hour thing just in case um, I'm going from one to the other. So if I'm on yeah. my lunch break or if I just need something really quick to watch that isn't that, then I go between one or the other. So... So, Ghost is a good half an hour one for me, and it's it's pretty funny actually. I, I quite like it, and I and I loved the horrible histories cast. So it makes sense for uh, to watch that really. So yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I loved horrible histories. Yeah, I, I used to constantly when it whenever it was on on the red button, the karaoke bits. Mm, yeah, like my name is my name is my name is Tom Second. I love the people, and the people love me. But yeah. Um, there was a point where I used to be able to recite the monarch song. Mm-hmm. And only I yeah. blue William Henry, Stephen Henry, Richard John. And then I freeze. Yeah, okay. Uh, but it always always helps me if I am doing a quiz. Yes. The fifth king of England. It helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's move on from horrible histories and go into yep. the world of 007. Aye, yes. So, um, 
controversial question to start off. Best Bond. Okay, so obviously the, the number one answer that everyone would say would be Sean Connery because yeah. of, you know, the iconography that he presented in the role of Bond, you know, um, that iconic voice, the iconic, you know, he, he, just that word, he's an icon. Yeah. And, and that's what brought the suave, sophisticated spy to the silver screen. And that's why he should be number one. However, my favourite Bond is Daniel Craig because that's the one I grew up with. Because, like, I started Bond quite young. I was probably about six-ish when I saw Pierce Brosnan in Die Another Day. And then, um, sort of, within the coming months, I'd watch more of the older Bond films. So, like, I watched Roger Moore. I watched Sean Connery, uh, Timothy Dole, and all them. And I, had, and I started getting the collection. But then, when Casino Royale came out in 2006, my dad knew that I liked Bond films. And he said, we'll go, we'll go see it. And it was fantastic. And so, I immediately fell in love with Daniel Craig as Bond. And for me, he was always my Bond for you know the, the coming years and I think he's brought a real sort of uh, a real character to Bond because like in every film he's you know him as the suave spy that turns up saves the day and goes home but Daniel Craig brought like r realism to it he, he made it his his own and the character and made him real as well like it was more than just you know um just a suave man and in a way it, it sort of harkens back to each element of each bond that he brought into that one role and i think that that's what i love about it and it's gonna be sad to see him in his last one but it's what we could it's all we can do really at this point yeah no i would be one of those people that says my my, my favorite bond is connery mm, uh, yeah. he, he he was my first bond um so obviously every easter every christmas they're always on itv yeah uh, and the first ever Bond film I saw was Goldfinger. Hmm. Um, so Sean Connery is my Bond. Obviously, if I had to rank them top three, it would go Connery, Craig, Moore. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I would I would say it's it's that protection of this of the of the canon of the films that what make people love Connery. He was the first. He, he will always be the first Bond. It's very similar to, I don't know, Doctor Who, for example. William Hartnell was the first Doctor. Mm -hmm. Everyone would probably, of that time, who grew up in the 60s and 70s, would say their Doctor was William Hartnell. Similar yeah. to, to uh, Marvel. Everyone will say, no matter what you do, no one will replace Iron Man. That's it, exactly. RDJ did the best job. Once you've seen him in all the films, you can't picture anyone else. That's it. Uh, so it's it's one of those where I would probably agree with most people where I say Connery is the best Bond, just because I grew up, grew up with it. Yeah, I agree. Like that, and that's the thing. So, like for me, top three probably Craig Connery, then. Brosnan. I'd say Pierce Brosnan was a favourite of mine because I like Golden Eye, Throwing Ever Dies. I do like Brosnan. I loved, I loved the films. I loved his films, but I wasn't a big fan of Brosnan as Bond. Fair. Fair. It, it just didn't make to me an American being Bond. He's not American, he's Irish. He's Irish, but he lives in America. He's, he's American. You think well, Brosnan's American. But it, when you hear him talk normally, he doesn't have an American accent. He, well, he is no, an Irishman. But it's the same with oh what's the what's the film now? 
oh, there's 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 one Robin Hood. Oh, uh, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Mm. Who decided to choose him? His name would draw, draw in the audiences there, wasn't it? No, but like, the thing is, like he 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 encompassed the character. But just not the accent. That, that's yeah. probably the best way to say it. Like it's still an entertaining film, and it's oh, good. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I, that's I, the I, one annoying part is that yeah. he, did, he, nev- he never, he never changed. You know, Robin of Loxley. Like, no, yeah. it's Robin of Loxley. Say it right. Yeah, you know. No, I think appara- apparently he attempted a British accent, but it was really bad. And so, because it was really bad, they just said, "Oh, just go American." Everyone will care. No. Uh, everyone will care. Everyone within the state of Nottinghamshire will care. Yeah. No, I loved. I loved that film, uh, mostly just down to Alan Rickman. Oh, Alan, classic. He, he, he played a brilliant sheriff. We're about to Loxley. Kill him. But yeah, now uh, we're detouring again. We do this all the time. We, we we're detour. You know, we, 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 we do a quick, sharp turn. <sighs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, Brosnan is not one of my favorites but i do like yeah. films i do like films don't get me wrong fair, 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 fair play um the die, die another day that's the one uh yeah. yeah i admit it's it has its moments but it's the weakest one probably of the bond franchise a friend yeah. friend of mine actually said uh we, we were discussing that we were debating this the other day he was saying uh die another day was the is the weakest one just because you know um of the sort of how the story just didn't make sense and it was all very sort of action oriented. It they didn't put a story to it and such. And I thought that he's not wrong. Like he's not wrong with that one. But no. I, I look but it it's all it's good, but I agree that it some some of it is a bit too far fetched at times and it's a bit OTT. But still it's bond. Like at, at the end of the day, a lot of them become OTT over a period of time. Like but yeah. Um I think next topic. So we've got obviously Bond himself. Um, we'll probably go on to what about the best films? Which do you think? It, like obviously, number one answer would probably be Goldfinger, being you know an iconic film in itself because you've got the stereotypical villain, the stereotypical henchman that is is you know nemesis, the um, the Bond girl, the bo- Bond Connery himself, the car because you've got the Aston Martin DB5. In which, as you can see, there and that one there. Introduction of the next first introduction of the gadgets as well. That's it. Yeah. No. Um. From Russia with Love did it as well as Doctor No, I think. That'd be like the main gadgets. So the the decked out car. Uh. Well, the, the gadgets of the car, yes. Yeah. But but the gadgets in itself was done yeah. earlier, as we know. But, uh, but yeah, no. Gold Goldfinger is my. But. My personal favourite always will be, and everyone knows, one of my favourite films of all time is Casino Royale, just 2006 with Craig, just because it, it had a great amount of action, had a great story, great heart, and I can watch it over and over again, and I love it. I've watched it over and over again so much that I know it word for word, and it annoys a lot of people, but I know it word for word. Yeah, no. But no, uh, I, I, that's my personal favourite. I would agree with the, the, the newer end of, of the Bond franchise. I, I would agree Skyfall. with the new ones. Skyfall. Is a great one. I love it. It's one of the best ones. That's a close second. That's a close if, second. If we're talking classic films, classic Goldfinger, mm. and maybe on occasions, um, Spy Who Loved Me or Man with the Golden Gun. Man with the Golden Gun, yeah. Christopher. What well, we could do, we could do 
for each bond so like obviously like like you say you can have a number one favorite but then we could we'll go over each bond yeah. after which one we love from each bond yeah, well, there's only one for George Lazenby anyway, so we don't need to go over George. Yeah, but no, yeah, so Goldfinger, it's just first introduction of a laser beam in a film. Mm. Um, obviously, we said that the Aston Martin, if it's in the car, uh, the, the iconic line, you expect me to talk? No, no Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Um, but yeah, no, that, that will always be one of my favourite Bond films. Um, it's, it's, it's such a good one. It is such a good one. The first Bond film, uh, book that I read as well, Goldfinger. Ah. I read Goldfinger, then I jumped on to Diamonds Are Forever. That is a good one. I do like Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah. But what about what, what about yourself? Uh, within the Connery era, or just Pepper? So, yeah, if we're going to go from, say, the classic period is from 63 to Brosnan. Okay, um, well, I'll do each Bond. Like, so within Connery, probably Goldfinger or From Russia of Love are probably personal favourites of mine um, from Connery's era. From We're moving on to Moore, so Roger Moore. Um, probably Man with a Golden Gun or Spy Who Loves Me because you get first introduction to Jaws, so Christopher Lee as yeah. Scaramanga, like, and there's some great moments within that. Um, after Roger, it was Timothy Dalton. Uh, I think I prefer Living Daylights to License to Kill, I think. So that's yeah, my personal preference. I know a friend of mine who's a massive Bond fan, her favourite Bond was Timothy Dalton and her favourite film was L- L- Living Daylights. I remember we'd sing uh, Aha's theme tune like, on a bus one time. It was pretty good. Um, and Brosnan favourite would probably be probably Goldeneye, maybe Tomorrow Never Dies, the, the first two, because the other two, while they're good, they just, they just sort of overdo it on the action a bit and yeah. the story, and they don't, and the casting as well. It's a bit, like, apart from Halle Berry as a Bond girl was good, but um, Denise Richards in World Is Not Enough was a bit, uh, especially playing a, she was playing a, a nuclear physicist as well, and it just didn't suit her, if that makes sense. Yeah. They just, they did it for the, the male vote. They did it because they get males to see it. But yeah, eh, what can you do? But yeah, that that's probably for me. Um, but obviously, Connery's out of all the four of them, Connery's era was what defined the genre, defined Bond as we know it. So obviously, there's no competition with that one. But yourself, so would would like you say, Goldfinger was the one that you read the best, or um, that was the best one within Connery's era. But was there others within the other Bonds that you would, you know, love um, more? Man with the Golden Gun. I loved. Mm-hmm. I love Man with the Gun, especially. Uh, Sleep portrayal of Scaramanga. Mm. Um, he was, if not one of the best Bond villains we've had. Um, I, I, that's my own personal opinion. Yeah. Um, I would say Living Daylights. It's a good one. Uh, and Golden Eye for Brosnan. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously with with Craig, it's a toss up between Solace. And Skyfall. They're good. They're very good. Well, I know quite a few people I know who've spoke of Solace, say Quantum of Solace to be specific. Um, they um, they don't like that one. They say it's the weaker one of the Craig era. And I thing is, I can understand why they say it's weaker, but I still I don't maintain that it's not a bad film. I think it's a great film. I, it's a great Bond film, especially to follow Casino Royale, which was such a big hit and such a fantastic film in itself. Yeah, yeah it, it's weaker, but it's great it's still a great film like there's some fantastic action sequences like uh, just the opening car chase like for me that's what 
drew me in straight away to that film was just that car chase, like the build-up with zooming in on the tunnel, the flashes of the car, you know, like going from like side of the car to the wheel, then to the driver himself, all yeah. that. I, I loved that. And then to and that music. And then there was a moment where music builds up, stops. We hear the rev of engine. And then it's all just the sounds, the, the act for, for you film people, the diegetic sound of the car and the gunshots going off. Ah, yeah, you see, yeah, I didn't earn that degree for nothing. <laughs> and that's a graduate right there. Uh, th that's me. And yeah, so uh, that, that Quantum Solace was a good one, but yeah, no, it was, I think it was outshadowed by obviously Casino Royale and then the Skyfall, which was a great follow up. And then Spectre, I do love Spectre, it's a great film. Just, I think it doesn't quite match what Skyfall and Casino Royale had because it was kind of a sort of all the three films had built to that one and it was following on from that really and finally we were reintroduced back to Spectre the, the lead villain that was you know known back in the Connery era yeah. so it was it was great to bring them back in into play but at, at the same time I felt like th they did it in such a great modern way but yet for, for me it just didn't quite have the same good great feel as Casino Royale and Skyfall did and Scott and, that, and they were brilliant. Skyfall was obviously to celebrate the 50th anniversary at the time, back in 2012 and such. And it, they did a fantastic job. Sam Mendes, like, what a great director to choose it as well. And a phenomenal cast. Um, Bond villains. Ooh, I do but like me villains. As well. So you're you on jobs and your jaws. Um, yep. Any particular preference? Hmm. Well, I think there's a lot of like you've got the stereotypical villains like you've got um i can never remember his name i want to say it's is it strofield or blofeld that uh, well, was Blo no there's blofeld i know there's blofeld and goldfinger but the one in spy who loved me but it was called oh. like strafield or stravas or something something like that stromberg i think it was stromberg oh. i think yeah so his goal was to destroy the world to create a new one he was going to flood the world so that he could start all over again basically start waterworld yeah. and and um, so every villain kind of had a reason to destroy the world or to start again or everything. But I think the more interesting villains are the ones that work on, say, a smaller scale or that have a vendetta, if that makes sense. So like, like for me, Le Chief is a great villain within Casino Royale because he's, he's a desperate man. He, he plays, he's, he's an accountant for all the villains of the world. And when he's out of money, because he bets it the wrong way, which Bond foils, he's a desperate man that needs the money back. So when he loses the poker game later in the film, in about the third act, maybe second act, then you sort of, he's sort of like, he's a desperate man, you know, he bleed, he starts, you know, weeping blood. He's like shocked, he grabs Bond, he steals Bond, does the classic torture scene, which for, for, you, for you gentlemen, you may want to cover your eyes for that one. Like, it's not, it's not pretty if you've seen it, like, you'll never look at a rope the same way again <laughs> but no um just in that scene that was a man that was desperate he needed that money he couldn't just and that for me felt great as a villain because he was a he was a desperate man who thought oh i've got the brains i could easily win this no he didn't win it he, he lost out so badly and that's why i like but i like the other villains as well like because um green in quantum of solace he was a businessman but when when he was called to fight, I, I believe they put this. He put this in trivia. He was on about how his fighting style was of of a desperate man or like a wild animal. Like you know, if provoked, he would just like go for it. There was no 
like method to it if that makes sense it was just like wildly swinging axe wildly swinging his fists and a bit of metal and that's what made him sort of like a man and it's and silver in skyfall i thought was brilliant because he was a brilliant tactician as well as a madman and that some of that madman put it on show and that's what attracted me to him as a villain was that you know he you know you couldn't take your eyes off screen because he was that you know what he'd gone through processed him into yeah. that way that he was so i think that's why i think is that villains need to have like yeah you could destroy the world or destroy you know mi6 or whatever but i think if you have sort of a personal vendetta then that's what it's for but you can't not acknowledge blofeld being for such a iconic villain in the bond yeah. world especially played by donald pleasance in you only live twice Worksopian man for those who didn't know like born in Worksop. good old Worksop. and so yeah no he was a uh, you know, it's De- Blofeld's probably my one of my favorite villains just because of the iconography, and then brilliantly replayed by Christoph Waltz in yeah. the Craig era. Oh, legendary actor! And yeah, so probably Blofeld and Lashif are probably my personal favorite villains. In terms of henchmen, you can't not forget Oddjob or Jaws being iconic as they are. Or I like the I think his name's Brandt in From Russia with Love. He was the blonde one with the suitcase that fights Bond, you know, in yeah. the train. Yeah. I think he was iconic because he was built as this like Russian, you know, like you know, this soldier, this assassin that was built. And you know, they, they got uh, I forgot what it's called. What's it called where you got like the rings that you put on here? A knuckle duster. Yeah, brass knuckles. Like proper went for him, and he just like, <clears throat> like he just took it. And that's what made him iconic is that you couldn't beat that. And I think it was replicated when you had um, I keep forgetting his name, Dave Bautista play. Uh, Mr. Hinks in uh, Spectre, in that he was this big gargantuan of a man, silent, and all he and all he was done was to build to kill, and that's what made it iconic, kind of thing. No, I think I would go again, calling back to the earlier years. Blofeld, yes, uh, yeah. Goldfinger, or it Goldfinger. Mm. Um, I think Silver as well from from Skyfall. Uh, the way that Javier Bardem played him was Definitely. was brilliant. Um, the pe- chose the perfect actor for it. Uh, yeah. his his little idiosyncrasies and his, his movements really made the character. Um, and I'm I'm not ashamed to admit that I I full on cried when uh, he killed Judy Dench. Uh, yeah, I I I was emotional. Um, that is probably one of the very few movie deaths I've ever actually cried at was yeah. um, I've just noticed that the, uh, the, the tuxedo is affecting the yeah uh, your camera yeah gotta be careful um, I'm, I'm going to look in my Zordon in a minute and just a massive Rangers. you have been called to protect the world now um, odd job I, I, f- I found odd job quite funny yeah um, and his Austin Powers counterpart, random task, um, <laughs> which which was amazing. Um, but yeah, though if if we are talking about Bond henchmen, you you can't get any worse than than the the icon that is Jaws. Oh yeah, um, yeah. he was am- amazing. One Bond henchman that I didn't really like was I forget her character's name. It was Grace Jones. Oh, uh, Mayday. Mayday. Uh, she she was the henchman to Christopher Walken. Mm. Um, I 
did that. She didn't really like her. Fair, fair. Um, but other than that, I think I think Bond films really do create the perfect characters, and then they find the exact actor for them. So I wouldn't be able to imagine Donald anyone other than Donald Pleasance in the original films. Yeah, yeah. Bond. Uh, I wouldn't be able to imagine anyone playing, oh, I don't know, Q mm. or M. They, the, the timeless, the, the films and the characters that they make, the actors that portray them are amazing. Yeah. But there, there, there's so much that we could talk about with Bond. <laughs> um, so much so that I have got a random trivia list. Uh, like trivia lists. So... This this is uh, my trivia, and I'm going to do a quick quiz with you, Harry. Oh, okay. Ooh. Go on. So let's play Bond or not Bond. Okay. So, James Bond was originally a novel before a film. True. Which year did the novels begin publication? Ooh, was it 57, I think? Or no, it might be, might be, was, what was it, 52? 53. 53, oh. And then the first film was? Six, uh, technically, it was 57 with Casino Royale, which, because, ev- yeah, that's it, because everyone thinks it's Connery with 62, but there was another Bond film, there was a Casino Royale, it was kind of a comedy. Yeah. Which, which he was like which Fleming wasn't it was like eh, I'm not sure so then when they did it with Connery he was like okay I'm happy with this let's yeah, leave it at that they refer to that as the official Bond Doctor No yeah uh, yeah yeah which was in 1962 like Never Say Never Again that's not an official Bond film but no. it is a Bond film like Casino Royale is in 1957 but that's not the one I count I count what's within the actual franchise itself you know what yeah. I might actually watch the 1957 one tonight <laughs> I can find um, it. Watch it. Uh, if it's on TV and ITV, I'll give it a watch, but I'm not yeah. in any rush to see it. Well, no, because it's similar the... to the Pink Panther films, that comedy aspect. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the original James Bond uh, was what profession? You, oh, you said it earlier. Ornithologist. He's an ornithologist. Uh, and that is a Which they reference in other films. They reference in quite a few of the other yeah. films in Bond. Fancy word for bird watching. Um, he was a doctor, uh, and Ian Fleming asked if, well, he pestered, uh, <laughs> could use his name, um, and he did. Uh, but what is the official job title of James Bond? Aha, it's not Secret Agent, because this was on QI. His official title is, he's a commander for the Royal Navy, isn't he? Or something like that. So he's Commander Bond. He's Commander James Bond of Her Majesty's Royal Navy. That's uh, it. to MI6 in the films. Uh, he, he, and he joins MI6 later on because he starts off in the Navy and then they bring him in. Yeah. As a so, let's have a look. Do you know that the last film ever watched by President John F. Kennedy was a Bond film? I did not know that. And yeah. can I guess which one? Because if, if Kennedy was killed in 63, then the last one he watched was either From Russia With Love or Doctor No. It was from Russia with Love. He watched that and he died the following day. Oh, God. 
So. Conspiracy theory. Posted <laughs> <laughs> it. Right. So, Ian Fleming used a gold-plated typewriter to type the James Bond novels. True or false? I want to say true, but there might be some falseness in that. Because like, I think, like, like people say, oh, I have a gold-plated typewriter, I have a gold-plated pen. But you, d- you don't use it. Like, I'd have it on display, but really use my rubbish typewriter to type everything. But I'm going to say true. And you'd be correct. Oh, thank God. Uh, he, he used a gold-plated royal typewriter to write the James Bond novels. And then once he was happy with the draft and the completion, he would then take it to the publishers and they'd do it on a normal computer. I see. Okay. So Goldfinger, we've already mentioned, was a game changer. It was the first movie to feature uh, a laser beam, laser beam. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, driving an Aston Martin and the gadgets. Um, so we can't really use that question because I've already mentioned it. Yep. That's um, the movie's opening sequence is the iconic down the gun barrel. Yeah. Um, and that was actually, wasn't what any of the actors in the uh, first three films. So No, it, it was a stuntman, I believe, yeah. was Bond walking across. That's why he was wearing a hat, was because it wasn't Connery. And then it wasn't until Connery's later films that it was actually him. And then when it got changed over again to Lazenby and more, changed it each time. And yeah. it's iconic. Because I found it weird when Craig didn't do it in sort of a few films. Obviously, he did it in a different way for Casino Royale, and then he did, did it a different way. Uh, I think he did it in Quantum Solace. Yeah, I think he did, yeah. But each, each one was unique. You couldn't just, like, leave it out. It had to be in. Because I found it weird when they put it at the end of the film. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's better at the beginning because it sets it up. That's it how does, it is. It does, it does the thing, doesn't it, where it, it pans across and he's walking and he mm. shoots it and then he goes, duh, 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 and then it expands yeah. into the film. Yeah. Makes sense at the end. Uh, but yes, it, it was a stuntman for Dr. No from Russia with Love and Goldfinger. And then the following films, it was the actors. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the stuntman was called Bob Simmons. Ah. Um, fun so, fact. In when Connery did it, that you if you notice this later on, guys, when you watch the films, um, so when it's Connery himself, there's like a little he goes on his knee and he does like a little wobble, like that was obviously unintended. Like he, he was supposed to just get down knee and do it normally, but because he wobbled a bit, everyone kind of like apparently that they liked that there was that realness to it that because he had that yeah. wobble, so they kept it in. But yeah, that was Connery and he had a bit of a wobble in his knee. Bless him. I'll keep an eye out for that. I didn't, I've not noticed that before. Yeah, um, I was watching a thing on all the gun barrel sequences in all the films, and it told you like little trivia per one. So it told you about the stuntman, it being Bob Simmons, and then it would tell you about, oh, this was the first one to use CGI, this was the yeah. first one to do this, to do that, and all the above there. Um, the name of James Bond came from the ornithologist. Yep. Who was the character based on? The character was based on... Was it... Was it a, like another? Was it a naval officer or something that Fleming had met, like in passing off with drinks, or something? It was Ian Fleming himself. Oh, oh, that's uh, interesting. Talk, talk about a big ego boost. Huh. Um, yeah. So Bond, the character, is based on Ian Fleming, uh, who was a former spy in in the military. Uh, oh. After he retired, he obviously started writing the James Bond films and used. Seems to, be, seems to be a lot of like ex like military or you know 
soldiers then take on these stories because you got like Robert Ludlum who worked with the CIA you had Tom Clancy that was part of the uh, Air Force yeah yeah and so on um John Le Carey he, he had quite an influence within the community of spy the espionage world of espionage and so yeah. he, apparently he's like very well protected like there's people around him because there's people that still might go after him so he has like a team of people around because Hugh Laurie told the story about how it was John Le Carey's birthday and he was he was there as entertainer so he's playing the piano and then um I think a bang went off from like a party popper or a balloon so everyone was like, get down, get down, get down on the ground. And she was always like, I'm just a piano player. I'm just a piano player. <laughs> like, you know, but it was the fact that everyone took it so seriously with John McCarrion. And I wouldn't have thought that. But at the same time, you think like with Livinenko, for example, Alexander Livinenko, who died of radiation poisoning, because he was going to write a novel depicting what happened in Russia and all the bad things that happened against like Putin. And then, uh, but obviously they took him out before he could relinquish with, anything. With a, but... with a polonium injected umbrella which is very bond in itself uh, <laughs> no it, it was just standard polonium put in a teapot there was who, who was it that got attacked with an umbrella there was a russian defector i think it was in the news and they they used it was pretty much a bond gadget uh, it was an umbrella and at the bottom where the spoke is you press a button on the uh, you know that normally puts the umbrella up if you sure. press that twice, a, a, a needle, a syringe would come out. Oh. I'll, I'll try and find the, find the article and send it to you. It's a really amazing read. A, oh. Very, very Bondish. I might even put a link in the description. Um, but yeah, Dude. so Bond was based on Ian Fleming, who was a former spy and loved his martini, shaken and not stirred. Of course he did. Uh, what was Bond's gun of choice until a fan complained? Uh, I think he, he always liked a Beretta. Like a, I think it was a Beretta because the reference this in Doctor No, he starts off with a Beretta, but then M says, "Oh, take this Walford PPK instead because it'll be easier for you to carry around and it's better." Yeah. And that and that's it exactly. So he had a Beretta, but then fans, like you say, complained. So yeah. then Fleming was like, "Fine, I'll make it a Walford." Yeah, it was mm. a Beretta four eighteen, mm. uh, and a fan wrote to Ian Fleming uh, complaining that it was a lady's gun. I don't know what a lady's gun is. <laughs> a pea shooter. Potato gun. Um, yeah. World is Not Enough is not just the name of a movie. What other link does it have to the Bond franchise? It's the motto or the slogan of the Fleming family or something like that. So it yeah, was a. It's, it's Bond's family motto, the world is yeah. not enough. So if you uh, watch Skyfall, uh, obviously when it's driving down the drive, you've got the Skyfall sign, but in on, on the door, it's got world obviously in Latin, but it's got world is not enough. Oh, I didn't I didn't know he was in Skyfall because I knew that um, obviously he referenced it within World is Not Enough, yeah. and uh, that it was all family motto. And I remember I had a um, I had a principal at uh, secondary school who I used to have like bondathons we called them like we'd we'd do like trivia questions and we go back and forth with each other, and she said to me like the world like so in the yearbook at the end of the year. Uh, she put like, who am I going to have Friday Bondathons with now, kind of thing. And then basically she went into, you know, saying good luck, best of luck to you. Remember, the world is not enough, you know, Miss Hall. And I was just like, oh, like, I've still, I've still got it. You know, I've still got the year. I call it a yearbook, but really it's just, it's just like, it's like a planner, like a planner. But, I've just, but each one has like uh, different writings from everybody that was yeah. at school with and teachers and that. And it was very sweet. And, I never and she, got a yearbook when I left. No, 
I never got one. Yeah. Well, we had to, we had to, we had to buy our yearbook. But I had like a little, you know, you had, I just had a, another little book that I didn't buy. It was just like an old planner that was given to me. Yeah. I just thought I'm not going to use it. It's like ten years too old. But I wanted people to write in it. I needed something to write in, and I thought because each calendar month had like or calendar day had a little tab where you could write in. I thought, oh, people can write in each tab, yeah, so that I can sort of look look at each one and everything. So yeah. Another so this this is I'm I'm skipping question eleven because it's not really true. It's just like the the golden eye in Jamaica was the home of Ian Fleming. Now that I was going to say that that that's was the name of his home. That was it because I knew it know. wasn't Goldfinger or the world's not enough. The motto was the world is not enough, but his like I say his residence was called Goldfinger. Gold, uh, yeah. Golden eye. Golden eye. Sorry, golden eye. Yeah. Sorry. Um. So Daniel Craig uh, has a clause in his contract even after he leaves Bond, that he has the right to take any Aston Martin from the manufacturer. What? Oh, is it true or false? Um, oh, I want to say false because I know there's a story of Rachel Weiss, his wife, for one of his birthdays, bought him an Aston Martin V12 Vantage Roadster for his birthday. So he, he got that, but I want to say false, like because because I know that Pierce Brosnan talk of that when they did Die Another Day, he got a free Aston Martin Vanquish. But the way it worked is, he said apparently the one that they had made for me was being driven to me. It was on its way, but it didn't arrive on the day. So he rang them up and said, "Where's my car?" And they went, "Oh, I'm really sorry, Mr. Brosnan, but it's broken down and it's crashed. So we're making you a brand new one, and we're going to get it sent out to you again." But there was a problem with it. And so he said he had that for a long period of time. And it had his name in, it had 007 all written on it. So um, I think you would be given a free Aston Martin. But I don't think he put it in his contract that any time he wants an Aston Martin, he can get one. So I'm going to say false on that one. No, so it's true. Oh. Uh, oh. Aston Martin gave uh, the permission for in the contract to have a clause stating at any point during his lifetime, Daniel Craig can walk up to any Aston Martin dealership and say, I want that one. Really? And he'll drive away with it. Seriously? Seriously. My God. I'm putting that in my contract if I do a bomb film. Yeah, so I want that car, and if you could just fill it up. Just wrap that. it up. Wrap it up for yeah. me, and I'll, I'll take it out. No, no need to wrap it. I'll take it straight I'll out. Drive it. I'll just drive it. It's fine, mate. <laughs> just give the key. Just give it a key. Get, right. get me a can of pop out of that vending machine. I'll, I'll, I'll put that in cup holder. And uh, a Kit Kat. I need a break. Oh, yeah. I love Kit Kats. Um, George Lazenby mm. is one of the lesser Bond actors. No, Only has one. Uh, how did he get the role? He was a model, so I think he just sort of like people. So I can't remember who saw it, but I think it was one of the producers saw his work as a model and thought this man has the look of Bond, so let's bring him in and audition him. And even though he was Australian, he did quite well with the accent. However, another fun fact, and this is separate, but the vo he puts on a voice when he's uh, with the with the ladies in Blofeld's. Uh, I think they're called the Angels or something like that, the Angels of Death. And when he's at their complex he puts on like a funny voice to distinguish himself between Bond and this character that he plays. And he couldn't do the voice. So someone else did that voice that he puts on, but his normal voice or the voice he uses for Bond is fine. Cause I thought somebody told me that and I thought, Oh, so his whole voice is not his own voice then. And he went, Oh no, 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 no. He did the voice for Bond, but not this character he's portraying. Right. But, but, but back to the question. Um, 
yeah, I, I think it was because he was a model. They recognised because he had that look, that chisel jawed look, and thought he'd be good as Bond. It was yeah, done on so looks. He wasn't an actor when he was interviewed for the role. Mm. Uh, he met the producer wearing a suit, a Rolex, and a new haircut. He Aye. made up movies on his resume, and really? managed to convince the management to give him the role of Bond. Jesus. So he he on his resume he would probably say oh, I was in all these films and he 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 wasn't an actor, uh, hmm. and his first role was Bond. <laughs> so you, know? you can't you can't get any bigger than that, can you? Um, you really can't. So talking of contracts, uh, hmm. what one clause was in Pierce Brosnan's contract? That sounds strange. Oh, it wouldn't be something as standard as I need a trailer or I need this or I need that. Um, was it he got to have control of the sex scenes or something like that? Or? No, this would be part of the contract that MGM and the Bond lawyers would have done, not Brosnan. Okay, okay. Oh, I see. Um, could it be that any time he didn't like the script, he could walk away? Or um, if he got injured, they had to pay him? Or His contract what, what? prohibited him from wearing tuxedos in any movie outside the franchise. S serious? He could not wear a tuxedo in any film while he was... But he could wear a suit, just not a tuxedo. He could wear a suit, but he couldn't wear a tuxedo. Oh, my God. That's weird. While, while he was Bond. I presume yeah, that yeah. now he's no longer Bond, that he can tuxedo all he wants. But while that he, darn contract, I still can't do it. <laughs> I can't even go to a wedding now. Casinos? <laughs> but, yeah, no, he, he wasn't allowed to wear a tuxedo in any other film. I presume he could do it in his own private life, so if he was going to a party of some sort, but in any mm. film, other film, he could not wear a tuxedo. I did not know that, huh? Yeah. Oh. Um, Sean Connery, who taught him how to fight in Never Say Never Again? Was it the current Bond at the time, in 89? No. Uh, Someone you wouldn't think would have any aff uh, affiliation with Bond. Schwarzenegger. No, not far off. Stallone. Steven Seagal. Seagal? Oh. And he got so angry at Connery uh, that he broke his wrist. Wait, oh, he broke Connery's wrist? He broke Connery's wrist. He got so annoyed with him not following instruction and failing <laughs> in his lessons, he broke his wrist. Fuck. I'd have sacked him on the spot right there if he'd done that. If I was Con Sean Connery, one of the most iconic actors in all of history, and this guy's broken my wrist, I'd have been like, you're shacked. He could, he, he could have just said it was an accident because there's no way <laughs> it was on purpose. But he uh, broke his wrist. Oh, fuck. Um, you mentioned this earlier on, what's Bond's most popular weapon? And uh, who also used it in history? Uh, Walter PPK, and in history... It was used. It was used primarily within World War Two, so I'm, I want to say soldiers within World War Two, maybe German spies. I think you're getting you're getting warm. You're getting warm. It's World War Two and it's German. Well, I'll it's, say German is Austrian. Hitler. It's yeah. the, the gun Hitler used to kill himself. Ah, okay. So Fair. maybe maybe uh, Fleming used that as a. A metaphor for getting rid of evil in the world. I don't know. suppose. But <laughs> it's the model that Hitler used. Uh, okay. Who is the deadliest Bond? 
I feel like Sandy Toxpig. <laughs> Who is the deadliest Bond? Anyone? Uh, I think it's probably killed more. I want to go with Brosnan. Even though he's got less films, I still feel like he's probably killed a lot of people compared to Connery and Moore. Even though they had more films, they didn't probably kill as much. So I'll, I'll say Brosnan. And you would be correct. Brosnan Bond killed 47 people in Goldeneye. So in one film alone, he killed 47 people. Wow. Um, there you go. Sean Connery. What piece of equipment or attire did he have to wear throughout his entire Bond film? A wig. A wig, yes. He started going bald at the age of 21. Yeah, and well, it's because it's a running joke in Phoenix Nights where they're on about, um, like one of the characters, Paddy, they say he's always going bald. But they're on about, so his mate Max says, oh, well, no, look at Sean Connery. He's a great man. He's gone bald when he was young. You know, and, and they start naming all the films where he had a wig. So Highlander, wig, you know, um, uh, he's not about but you know Bond wig, uh, you know this film wig, and he's like Avengers wig. Yeah. Oh no no no, he was bald in the Avengers. I was he was no wig no hits shit. <laughs> I, I love I love Phoenix Knights. I uh, uh, yeah no he had, he had to wear a wig. And who, it was a very yeah. good looking wig. Who's the only Bond to travel to space? Uh, more Moonraker, seven nineteen seventy nine, and. Who's played... No, not, not, that's not the question. Roger Moore and Sean Connery have both played Bond how many times? Uh, Connery did it six. Seven, if you count, never seen ever again. And Moore did seven. I've, I've gone through this like in my head multiple times. Yep, so they both played seven because they yeah. had to never say never again. Even though I don't count it. People keep saying, oh, no, it is a Bond film. Like, yeah, it's a Bond film, but it's not associated with the Bond franchise. So that's why I don't count it. Because I can do... Because I, I have a... We, I have a. Everyone knows this. They know us very well. Like, I've, I can name all Bond films in a row from, like, very first to the end. And in that list, I don't include Never Say Never Again. It's just... Yeah. It, it's too complicated. So I include it's all the... me when I was doing the Bond stuff for Bond 25. I'm like, but it's not the 25th. No. It's... Yeah, but... Um, bonus Bond facts. A quarter... No, three quarters of James Bond female lovers tried to kill him. Sounds about right. Hell hath no uh, fury like a woman scorned. scorned. Uh, the Aston Martin barrel roll stunt in Casino Royale uh, broke the world record for the most barrel rolls. Mm, seven or eight, wasn't it? Something like that? Around that, and it was assisted by a cannon. An air cannon, yeah, they put it, because the car in its beautiful aerodynamics uh, couldn't roll. So they so they tried to flip it and they couldn't. So they said, right, let's put an air cannon in. And when you get there, so boom, and then it managed to get it going and rolling. Yeah. On, on, that is probably one of the best crashes in a film I've ever seen. And it's and watch Mojo agree. Number one crash in a film was Casino Royale because it's that beautiful moment where he's, he's chasing. He's like, oh, it's a car chase. It's getting exciting. And then he sees Vesper in the road. And he's immediately like, I've got to turn. And then the car, just you just see the beautiful editing cuts where it just goes on its side. And then in that sort of slow motion way, it just, you know, crashes and it all. Because apparently in the original novel, the Casino Royale, it was originally a Bentley that he had. And they talked about how um, in the novel, you know, the car went into a thing, the, the lights circled the, the night sky. It's on about how it turns and rolls and oh, it's just brilliant. Love it. Absolutely love it. 1994, 
was a very special year for Bond. Why? Well, it's not really a special year for Bond, but it's got something to do with Bond, otherwise I wouldn't ask him. Would it have been his 100th birthday or something like that? Not 100th, like maybe his 50th, I want to say 50th birthday or something like that, because was he born a certain year? And so, like say he was 44, so 94 would have been his 50th birthday in terms of the novels or something like that. Possibly. I mean, I've kind of, the, the question has, oh, I've read it, doesn't make sense. So before 1994, the British government did not officially acknowledge the existence of MI6. Oh, so after 94, it was like, yep, yeah, we're, we're here. We're, yeah, after 1994, they said, yes, James Bond is one of our staff. But oh, before okay. that, they, they, they couldn't confirm nor deny the existence of MI6. Uh, see. So a lot of people thought it was just a made-up organisation up until 1994, and then the intelligence service says, no, we exist. We're here. We're we've, got a, we've got a big building on, on Live. the fragment in London. Uh, come and say hi and maybe blow it up in a few years. Um, it's just, it's on display fully in, yeah. uh, you know, in London. Right. So it's an easy target, but I suppose in reality they'll they'll have something else they'll put it somewhere else spectre what does it stand for oh oh i used to know oh something terrorism uh oh, right you might as well say it'll, it'll click the moment you say it's like oh, god yeah it's the special executive for counterintelligence, terrorism, revenge, and extortion. That's it. Yeah, Spectre. Falls off the tongue. Uh, the double O prefix on 007 indicates what? That he's the seventh agent of... No, so the, the, double, the double O bit. What does the double O stand for? Oh, um... Is it to do with, like, I don't know, is it like a serial thing or something like that? No, so the double O uh, is the license to kill. Oh, okay. So, so if you have one O, do you not have the license? Do you just have the license but not to kill? You've, you've got the license to wound and maybe slap around a bit, but not kill. Um, yeah, so double O. O seven. Yeah, so the, the, the double O section of MI6 is the license to kill. Um, ah. So double O seven was assigned to Bond. Uh, to a key, in reference to a key intelligence achievement in the First World War for the breaking of German diplomatic code. I see. Okay. And who was the most unlikely Bond girl? Ooh. Who, um, who was a Bond girl that you wouldn't expect to be a Bond girl? Ooh. Um, do I get a hint? Or Well, I was going to say maybe on a black... Maybe no. Okay. Wrong. You, you're going too far back. More recent. Oh, it's more recent. Um, more recent. Who was a Bond oh, girl that you wouldn't expect to be a Bond girl or Bond woman? Should I say? M was it Monica Bellucci? No. No. Uh, Leia Sidhu. No. She's not really classed as a Bond girl in canon. Um, but um, the the eldest and the most unlikeliest Bond woman ever to be was Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. Oh, for the uh, Olympic opening. 
yeah, she she was technically referenced as a Bond girl. So she's the eldest Bond girl. She was she was sixties. She was about eighty six at the time. Yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she was the yeah. oldest Bond girl um, yeah. in 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 history, and she jumped out of a, uh, out of a helicopter. But bless her. Uh, I know. That, that 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 was a good that was a good sequence that I did it I, th I found it quite funny and she and she's she, as she's such a a, a ble you know bless her she you know she was all for you know like good evening Mr Bond like good evening Your Majesty you know like I I love all the memes that kind of followed like yeah. when the two of them were walking down the corridor together so like and make it look like an accident like so you want me to take out Mr Corbyn or blah, blah, like so Mr Trump I've dealt with it Madam <laughs> like kind of thing. You know, uh, uh, makes a lot. It's 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 just the bit where he stood in the drawing room for a while and he just goes. <coughs> so, Mr. Yeah. Bond, hello. Yeah. What do you do, Mr. Bond? Uh, I've been expecting. It's a, if if you guys wanted to watch it, it's on YouTube. I'm sure it's yeah, very. Again, it's another thing I will probably link in the description. Though you can just search 2012 Olympic mm. The only time but, Danny Boyle's probably directed a Bond film at that point. Yeah, you never know. I mean, he's, he's got he's got the. I think he's got the gumption to direct another one, you know. I think he would do a good job. He would do a good job, but the problem was that when what he pitched was, he pitched it being a Russian villain, I think. And obviously at the time, there was a lot of tension between Russia. But he also wanted to kill off Bond, which was like, the producers were like, no, you can't kill off Bond. He's, you know, uh, this iconic character. I think if you were to do a ske sketch on, or a film where Bond is a, a lot older, and he's reaching the end of his career, then yeah. yes, kill him off. But don't kill him off while he's still young, if that makes sense. I love you know? it when they said, uh, no, because there's too much tension with Russia. They did Russia with love in the Cold War, for God's sake. But different time, the 60s. <laughs> yeah. But um, any Bond trivia you have? You, you've said a lot of them anyway. Like I, I, the, the car flipping one was going to be one I'd bring in. Um, no, it's probably about it really I, I remember there's a great documentary by um i can't remember the actress's name but she plays the bond girl in living daylights and she goes and meets all the previous bond girls and just talks to them about what it was like being a bond girl what it meant to their careers like is it some have called it a curse because because there was um, an italian actress who played one of the villains in Thun it was either i think it was thunderball or yeah it was thunderball and she talked about how she was an Italian actress and she was very beautiful and very great and she'd done a lot of work before. But after the Bond film, she'd come back home ready to work with all these great Italian directors and they wouldn't even see her. They just, it, you know, like, no, go, no. I don't know if it's just because she played a villain or if it's because she'd, I don't want to say sold herself out, but, you know, like put herself in a yeah. big franchise like Bond or something. But all the great directors didn't want to meet her. I just thought, well, that's such a shame because I think if you were in a Bond film, whether it was good or bad, to be a Bond girl, like that's it's iconic, and or a Bond woman nowadays, because obviously now a Bond girl's kind of put as you know a bit sexist and stuff like that. So we obviously yeah. got to keep with the time that we're in with Me Too, which is why I love what they're doing with the Bond women now, because you know, like if you look in No Time to Die, for example, two, three, all the three main Bond girls. So you got you know Anna Diarmas, Leia Seydoux, and uh, the, she plays Numi, I think her name is. Um, I can't remember the actress' name, and I'm really sorry. I knew it off by heart. In No Time to Die? Yeah. It's her from Captain Marvel, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, I, I can't remember her name without looking it up. Hang on. I'll... I'm really, I, did, I did know it. I did know it once. Let's have a look. 
Oh, my package has been delivered. Uh, what wonderful podcast film film as we are doing research in the middle of the recording. Yes, we would have done it before. Here we go. Rambo, Rambo Lashana Lynch. That's the name. Yeah, she played Rambo, didn't she? Rambo in in Captain Marvel. She but did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's Lashana Lynch, yeah. She that all those characters are such like strong female characters that I think that's something that we need to promote more within Bond films. And they have been doing that over the last twenty years, I'd say. Yeah. And so getting into that and that's a good thing. Or thirty years even, because it can go back to uh license to kill where you've got like, you know, the secret agents that are from CIA or all the way back. So there are there is a lot there. Yes. Yeah. I think one last thing we should discuss Bond related before we wrap it up. Bond themes. Oh, we do like our Bond themes. Um, so when before we started recording, when Harry joined the call, I I played the the, the theme song that the, the theme would first made famous and conducted out. Um, so the dun 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 But is there a particular Bond theme you like, or maybe vice a Bond theme you don't like? I love. You Know My Name by Chris Cornell. Not just because it was in Casino Royale, but because it was different than every other Bond theme. Because every other Bond theme was very dramatic and very, like, a, like a beautiful piece of score. Like, and, I just, and it just stood out, and especially with the film like Casino Royale and the message that the song was prevailing. And that's what I thought was brilliant about it. But I love um, Adele's Skyfall. That's iconic. I'd listen to that on repeat. Sam Smith's Writing on the Wall. I love that. Um, which both won Oscars and well-deserved. And all the classics, you know, anything with Shirley Bassey that she's done. Tom Jones' Thunderball, obviously a classic. Got um, Goldfinger. Um, oh, what's another one? Uh, Living Daylights, that had an iconic one with Aha. Um, oh, there were so many good ones. Man with the Golden Gun, Lulu. Uh, yeah, that, my, some of my favourites is, uh, yeah, Goldfinger. Uh, Diamonds Are Forever. So oh, she, she really is the Queen of Bond. Um, mm. You've got, oh, what, what's it called now? It's, um, it's Paul McCartney's one. Wings, uh, Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. Uh, Live and Let Die. Uh, nobody does it better. Oh, Carly Simon, classic. Uh, one that I don't like is View to a Kill. I like a View to a Kill. Why? I don't know. It just gets on my nerves every time. Every time it's on. Can we dance into the fire? I honestly, I can't stand it. If it comes on on the TV, I turn it off. Um, and I normally like, I normally like that era of music. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't like View to a Kill. Uh, and there was another one that I didn't like, uh, which I can't remember. License to Kill. Yeah. It's all right, but it's not the best one. Once yeah. I got my sights on you. Yeah, that was a Gladys Knight, weren't it? It was, yes. I, I wasn't a big fan, but yeah, cl- classic Bond themes. That's that's my that's my go-to Goldfinger. Oh yeah. Um, so I watched an episode of Never Mind the Buzzcocks, and oh, yeah. on the intro round they had to do Goldfinger, and ever since I watched that, all I do now I just love it. Uh, I used to listen to Goldfinger on my walk to school. Sure. Um, because it, it does get quite, and, and Living Let Die, because it gets quite upbeat. 
mm. and I used to have to walk up like a hill like, like that. Mm. Um, so it used to get me in the mood. Uh, but yeah, uh, there's only those two Bond songs that I really don't like. Mm. But everyone's different. Everyone, everyone has different opinions, obviously. So, if you guys have any opinions, please let us know. Tell yeah. us what your favorite Bond actor, your favorite film uh, theme. Put it in the comments below. Let us know, and we'll do what we can. But yeah, I think we're gonna call it time there because the car's nearly done. Uh, yeah, and yeah, Q's out outside. He's getting bored. We've got that Pokemon match as well. So. Oh yes, yes. Uh, I'll see you. I'll see you at the casino. Oh boy. Yeah. So uh, thank you everyone for watching again. Hopefully this one's not been as long as the previous ones. Uh, <laughs> I don't think. I mean, the last one was an hour and thirty-eight minutes. Uh, mm. If you sat through that, you deserve a medal because I can barely listen to my own voice for five minutes before I start to go home. Or mine. Or mine. Oh, my. Uh, but yeah, so I want to thank Harry for coming on again. Uh, I want to thank Tom for setting this up. Yep, so this has been 007 Cast, the name's Podcast. Um, <laughs> so take care, stay safe everyone. Remember, save our cinemas, look after yourself, tweet us, message us, text us, email us, do what you want, wave at us in the street if you see us. Even with masks on. Masks on. <laughs> but yeah. Take care, everyone. Thank you very much for watching. See you guys. We love you. I should be on the stage at the Oscars one day. (laughs) We should all be at the stage (laughs) at the Oscars. Yeah, thank (laughs) thank you, everyone. Right, take care. And stay safe.